What's up, friends? Welcome back to the Dark Waters. I'm your host, Josh. Uh, episode 146. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, before we get into it, uh, do me a favor. Check out Exxon Lures. Uh, they make some badass plastics. Uh, use uh, discount code capital D, capital W, 15, and uh, get yourself a discount. Uh, but I can't say enough about them. I've been using them for a few years now. Uh, I love their products. Uh, Rogue Fishing Company. Uh, can't say it enough. Don't lose your shit. Um, I lost a lot of shit last year, so, uh, it, it only made sense to partner up with these guys and, uh, get some things out there for my listeners. Uh, use discount code, uh, darkwaters, lowercase, and, uh, prevent shit from getting lost this season. Um, that's about it. Um, always looking for more partners. Uh, let me know if you're interested. Um, but yeah, we'll jump right into this thing. Uh, Travis Morn, uh, YouTube guy, he's worked for whatever uh commentator for uh flw uh the whole he's wore a lot of hats uh but uh i've watched a lot of his videos over the years and uh there was one about spring fishing that he did uh that i found really interesting i was like and i just recently watched it the other day so i was like well shit i'll bring him on and uh he was cool enough to come on uh we talked about obviously spring like you know you know spring the uh post spawn or pre-spawn spawn post spawn whatever i'm, I'm fucking stuttering like a motherfucker right now but uh all that we talked about spring fishing um and then uh, we also talked about sticks uh fishing rods which is uh he's the uh the second half of that company i, I already had nick the informative fisherman on not too long ago but uh we talked a little about that um and it, it was cool it was a cool conversation the guy has a, a, a lot of knowledge been fishing hardcore for a lot of years and uh it was cool to pick his brain about some stuff but uh yeah man i hope you guys enjoy it uh, a little different than what i normally do uh but uh I think I did a pretty good job. So, uh, anyways, as you can tell, I'm stuttering and rambling, and it's time for me to get off this thing. But uh, you guys have a great week. Uh, let me know what's going on. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you, but uh, we'll talk again soon. Ciao. What's up, Travis, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely, man. So, uh, how's life? Are you in California right now? I am. I am. Are we recording? Are we just rolling right into this thing? Hell yeah, dude. We're just going right into this. <laughs> Josh, man, you didn't get my list. I didn't have time to give you my list of things you weren't allowed to talk to me about and you weren't allowed to ask me about uh, or any dude. of that. And then, and then the things you had to ask me about, too. What's going on, man? I, I'm, I, I, I'm one of those weird guys that like jumps in the water and then asks if there's sharks in here. You know what I mean? So I just uh, say, it's late to get after it. All right, all right, let's go then. Uh, let's see if we're uh, let's see if we're gonna swim and let's see if we see old great white swimming around, man. Yeah, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Like, uh, are you in California? Because last time I heard, I, I listened to a podcast. You're in Hawaii. So, uh, what have you been up to these days? Yeah. So, uh, yes, I live in California. I live right on the coast um, in uh, basically central California, um, and and I love it out here, man. I, where I live, there's actually uh, very little bass fishing. But, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to travel all over the place. And I, I get bass fishing in my life. And so I actually enjoy going out in the ocean as much as possible with that surfing, kayaking, paddle boarding, and, uh, and just in, enjoying what the ocean has to offer. And, uh, and it really has a, 
you know, I know all of us love to bass fish and we get a balance off of bass fishing, the ocean and stuff, and just being out there and being humbled. You want to talk about sharks jumping in with the sharks. When you're out in the ocean, you're not, you're not king of the uh, jungle anymore. You're out there and right. you're just trying to enjoy, uh, enjoy it just like everything else is. And it's a very humbling and, and balancing experience whenever I go out there. Well, cool. Uh, just, like I, I know who you are. I know a lot of people just know who you are. But just, like, just a quick background who you are, because I know we got a lot of listeners who are kind of new to fishing. They just got a kayak and they're trying to learn a bunch of stuff. So, before we go any deeper, I feel like you should, you should at least know who you are. Um. Well, Travis Moran. Um. I have uh, been fortunate enough to just pinball and, and stumble my way through the bass fishing world. Is is kind of the only way I can explain it. Um. It, it all the opportunities I've had have just kind of been in the right place at the right time and. And, uh, and just, you know, I guess put my dues in, right. I've just been, just made sure I'm always around and, and just have gotten opportunities opened up to me. And so, uh, kind of the, the, the bigger uh, footprints I've had uh, is one of them was lucky tackle box. Um, and I didn't really have a job title there, but it was basically just create videos and, and help them run the company. I really got to have a vision and put my vision into the company. But um, the front end, I just got to make videos. I traveled all over the country and, and made how-to videos with all these different products. And and just the more crazier we could make them and the more fun we could have, the more they supported what we were doing. Um, and then from that, uh, I had some, you know, just created a lot of networks. And and then from there, uh, the FLW called me, uh, the, one of the producers for the FLW called me, who I had been in touch with for for years and years, and just been friends. and And we'd had a couple opportunities to work together in small ways, but uh, then they were putting together the uh, FLW Live. They were going to try to do the live show for the uh, for the tours, and and I got and they got asked to do it. They didn't have a person. They had Byron Velvic was their was their ace uh, right in the bat, and they needed someone to to work with Byron. And so last minute, my name got thrown in the hat. And uh, within two weeks, I was flying out to Benton, Kentucky and, and got to be the host of FLW Live and, and did that for five years. And uh, and the entire time, that just felt surreal. I mean, all the things that we've gotten to do in fishing and even what you're doing, I mean, podcasts for fishing was just something that didn't exist five years ago. And, and right. so I've just loved, you know, I've always, like everybody that's listening to this, love bass fishing. And over the years, um, have gotten to really get my own relationship with bass fishing. Uh, I grew up and I, when I was younger, it was like, I want to be a tournament bass fisherman. I want to be a professional bass fisherman. And, and I would still love to do that. I would still love to compete in tournaments and things. And, and I'm just a competitive person, but um, through just uh, through going to school and, and through just trial and error and stuff, I kind of found my own path and, and was able to do just different things and, and kind of just uh, have a great time uh, in the sport that we all love. Yeah. So how, dude, how ironic, like not ironic, I guess that wouldn't be the word, but like, like in fishing, like people, like I, I watch a lot of people, like they find their niche and it's usually by accident. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's really weird. Cause you got all these guys who just bust their ass off, you know, year after year after year, you know, to go to uh, fishing pro events and things like that. And then they got just some guy, just some weirdo, with, you know, just out there making a video and just meets the right person or the, or the right decision. And the next, now he finds his niche and whatever he was doing before in life, he's no longer doing now. And he's, he's, he's living the dream that, you know, that there's tons of people would, would you know, would, would poke their eyes out to live. And, you know, I, I talked to guys like you and, uh, you know, Smith and some, and just a bunch of, like, I've had a bunch of, you know, people in this podcast where it's just like, life just wasn't going to, wasn't going this way. And then just one relationship or one video or, or, or whatever. And they say, no, like, like they're, they're, they're making a living off fishing. You know, it, it's just, uh, it's, 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 it's awesome. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, how the hell does this happen? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and it is exactly like the metaphor of fishing. You know, it's, 
um, Nick Smith, the informative fisherman, him and I are good friends and, and we've really run parallel uh, to each other for, for the last decade. And, um, and the idea is just kind of having a line in the water, being present, you know, you're not going to catch a right. fish if you don't got something out there. And, and that's where we were. I have videos that I think go back a decade now that uh, of me trying to do instructional and fun little videos on YouTube when YouTube was just coming out. And the videos are the worst things you have ever seen. And it's, and I leave it there to like, just be a reminder of like, it didn't just, it didn't happen overnight. It was just doing things that I thought were fun and cool and being silly and, and being self deprivating, just not being afraid to laugh at myself and, and just throw things out there and be vulnerable. And, uh, and it finally, it, it, it there was a million things that almost worked out that was like, Hey, this guy's going to do this and this. And you just, were always just on these little, like maybes and, and excited about that. And then all of a sudden those maybes just one day, just all of a sudden turned into, to real relationships and, and real opportunities. And, and right. so, and, and I always, every single time I get any new opportunity, I just, I take it with just an open mind and I just enjoy the ride because uh, in the end, you know, when I'm sitting there on FLW live, you know, watching fishing, it, it's, it's like surreal. I'm literally, I'm being paid to sit there and talk about fishing and, and I don't know how I got here. Like, it's right. just, like, I don't, this isn't, you know, this wasn't the plan yeah. and, and somehow they worked out better than I ever imagined. Because I, if you were to tell me what your life would look like in the best situation, I wouldn't have told you that I wouldn't have dared make up something like that to right. say, I, I want to watch fishing and just talk about it. And that's what I want to do. And, and, and that's what, you know, at times in my life, that's what I've been paid to do. So well, there's a lot of the, there's something specific I want to talk to you about, but I just I want I want to stay with the subject just a little bit because I just I love when I talk to people who just you know these, these random you know these random things that happen that changes the trajectory of your life, um, you know, and I, I love talking to guys like you about that. But uh, like, when did you like learn to like just like to give in to get like to, to let it happen to like to, to trust the process and you know because a lot a lot of, a lot of you guys are like. Or like me, like you had, you had a full time job. Some of you guys even had families. Some of you guys had, you had, you had a couple. You probably had a comfortable life, and then all of a sudden, like sh you know, shit starts happening. Like I think one of the problems that you know, since I got out of the military, uh, you know, like five years ago, was like you know, trusting things and not being okay with not having a, a plan and not having you know and these things. And I look at you guys, you guys just like just gonna throw shit out the window, just and go take you know take your clothes off and go run naked down the street, whatever it is you guys do that you know. But you guys just have. No problem, just like giving it all and uh, just just trusting the process, I guess. Well, well, first of all, thank you for your service uh, in the military. You know, that's uh, I always have so much respect for everyone who, who's been in the military. Um, and now with with being in the military, you're right about then coming out in the world, and just being like, you know, we'll see where the wind blows and see where I end up. That's that's very uh, that's going against what you've just learned right. in the training you've just had about being prepared and everything. And but I mean, you can do both, right? You can right. be prepared. Uh, and so, the one moment it, it actually there is a one moment that it all came down to. And you know, and just like everybody, everyone has kind of similar stories of like loved fishing and, and passionate about. It. And that's what's so great about this sport is you're around people that really have a passion and that's actually a rare thing. Um, and, and it's, it doesn't seem like it's a rare thing when you're in the fishing world, because all these people are passionate about it. I'm looking at the room behind you right now. You obviously are passionate about you. You have found your, you know, your little corner in your room, uh, in your house to be able to have your, your fishing, uh, you know, cave where, um, 
where you can see behind me, things have changed a little bit in my life. I've got my, my kids, uh, yeah, I saw uh, that. <laughs> I, and I call that his little refugee bed. He's two. We have this little bed thrown in the corner of the room right there. And he absolutely loves it. Uh, but he's kind of taken over the office. We're splitting halves of this room right now. And, I, and he's winning. It's, it's slow. This was, this was just my office uh, not too long ago. Um, but uh, so, you know, I always loved fishing, always wanted to do it. And, and fortunate, uh, I was fortunate enough. I came from parents that, that knew nothing about fishing, didn't care about it, but they helped They did want to uh, support my passion. But my dad at an early age said, you're going to go to college. I don't care what you do after college, but you're going to go to college. That's my responsibility to you. And, and I was like, dad, I want to be a pro bass fisherman. I don't need this college shit. And, and so went to college and just because I didn't know what I wanted to do, I just got a business degree. And, and that was a huge learning experience for me. All the things I wanted to do in bass fishing, I was able to look at from forced to look at from a different perspective and in a, a business sense, where's the money coming from? Is the money very good? And, and, you know, at a certain point I did realize that there is a fine line that to making it in the bass fishing world on the tournament side, it's, right. um, it's a lot of hard work. And, you know, I've always argued that a, a lot of these guys that, that fish at this top level, if they applied the, um, the energy, but, but also just the outside the box thinking, I mean, the way these guys tournament fish, they just look at things so different. They figure out every way to try to be successful. If they applied that to anything, they'd be millionaires in a year. Like right. it, it's, it's absolutely crazy how much energy, but in the bass fishing world, we're just not there on the tournament side yet where they're getting, um, where they're able to, you know, really reap the, the uh, rewards for how much energy they put into it. Um, and, and so anyway, so you know, I'll go off in a million little tangents yeah, and stuff, but so let's fast forward after college, I'm out, I'm starting to try to do bass fishing, but you know, you gotta have the day job. So I start bartending and, and, uh, and at the same time I, I get into a relationship and I'm dating a girl and, and you know, she's, uh, everything, she checks all the boxes and stuff and the relationship goes on longer and longer. And we moved to Northern California, up further Northern California, closer to fishing and, still bartending and she's, uh, I don't know she was working at some, you know, kind of probably crummy job should have been doing better. We were both kind of underachieving at that point. And, right. and she was really on me about, uh, you know, we need to get a house, you know, when are we going to get married? We've been together. I think we we're you know hitting four or five years. And, and it was just like, it was like, is this where I'm supposed to be in my life? Is this what people, is this the next step? Is it getting married? And, and are we supposed to be getting a house? You know, I don't, the bartending thing, I'm, I'm making good money, but I can't afford a house. And this was when everyone was buying homes back in like 2006, 2007, yeah. when just like, I call it money was free. You can take out a mortgage. It didn't matter what, like you just buy a house and then you buy another. And it was like, and we weren't, we were renting a apartment and we were just at this cusp of like, it, it, something needs to happen. And, and every one of my friends was getting married and every one of my friends was buying homes. And at the time I was fishing tournaments with a, a dear friend of mine who, who passed away, but uh, his name was Dwayne Dunstone. And we would travel in his motor home and we would go travel in the tournaments. And on one of those times I, I, uh, I went, you know what, These, this motor home thing is cool. I wonder if we lived in one of these for a year if we just bought a motor home, lived in some shitty RV park, it paid no rent pretty much and just saved up some money, you know, maybe we'd be able to buy a house at the end of the year or have a down payment for a house. And so I remember I, I thought about it for a little bit and I uh, went and talked to this, this girlfriend about it. We were living together. So I go, okay, 
you know, what, what about if we buy a motorhome? And we live in this thing and I, I lay it out like we might be able to save up some money and then be able to have a down payment and be able to get this, get a house and, and move forward. And try, you know, this is the only way I can see us trying to get ahead. And she went, that is the stupidest idea I have ever heard. <laughs> and, and so the next day I broke up with her and within the next week I was living in a motorhome. And, and, uh, and my buddy, Dwayne, I told him, Hey, I'm living in a, I'm going to buy a motorhome. And he goes, screw buying a motorhome. You can have my motorhome. So, uh, he let me live in that. And so in tournaments, I would just pick him up and we'd go, uh, fish the tournament. But at the second I made that choice to go with my gut, to go with what I really believed, And it was completely against everything everyone was doing at that time. Um, and just to live in motorhome with no plan. There was, I didn't know how to do this. I didn't know how it was going to work. Every single thing fell into place from then on. It was like, it was like I finally took a leap of faith and the world completely opened up in ways I didn't know it could. And, and from there we were fishing. So I would bartend on the weekends. I'd park my motorhome and boat on in downtown Sacramento on the main street. And, uh, the, uh, the bouncers would keep an eye on it. I'd bartend, uh, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday. And then I would drive off to whatever lake and and be at the lake fishing for the entire week until I'd run out of money and I'd use the last bit of gas money to get back to the bars. And I'd sit there for a day, two days, whatever it was until I, uh, until I uh, got to work, get some more shifts, got some more cash. And then however much money I made would decide what lake I was going to drive to and live at for the next week. And, it, and I did that for an entire year. And, and it just, it, it was the first time that I really realized like that, uh, that, I came into adulthood that I also knew that I didn't have to do what everyone else was doing. Right. And at that same time is when the economy took a shit. And so everyone lost their homes. The, you know, everyone, we were you know, just, everyone was in tough times. And I remember sitting like, shoot, man, I'm just sitting here in a motorhome. Dude, not, absolutely nothing changed for me. And, and so it was, it was a liberating experience. And that motorhome, like, it wasn't like I lived in an RV park. I lived where I parked it. So right. I was present. I was able to say yes to things and just have just have so much fun. And that just that set me down that road. And that was a, a very, very specific moment that that allowed me just to kind of say, hey, stuff seems to work out. And right. just sometimes you don't need to fight it. And there are many, many, many jobs that I thought I've had and many opportunities I thought were that were going to happen and did not happen. And I've just now learned to just go, hey, man, that would have been really fun. I saw that really working out well and it didn't happen. And so I'll just see what happens. And it always ends up surprising me what what's down the road to still open up. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah you know, it's uh, it's crazy because my brother was the same way. Like when he got out of the army, he didn't know what to do. So he decided he was going to buy a, a, you know, a van, turn it into like a, a, one of those mobile vans like they do out there. And he moved to Colorado. And nice. he stayed out in Colorado for like five years just – Climbing mountains, you know, working like your know, side jobs um, until he figured it out, and then all of a sudden, you know, he started going to college, and then he got this, and now he's making six figures a year. But he like he, he he took his time getting it, not feeling rushed, and not you know forcing himself to be in you know a position he didn't want to be in, and just just really just having a good time until he found something that you know I guess found his niche, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and I mean, it's com. I mean, everybody goes through those times where they go, "Hey, man, is this? Am I supposed to be doing this? Am I? Shouldn't I be working some job, working my way up?" And there's no right answer to that. I don't have. I'm not gonna be able to tell you. I can give you the answer, but I I do know that I'm so comfortable now, not having any idea what I'm doing, that nothing really gets 
too intimidating. I say yes to anything. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Because every single thing we've always done with a video camera, I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And we just learned how to do it. And be, then all of a sudden we're able to make money and we're able to start getting jobs from it and stuff. And so I I, I do enjoy new challenges. And I, I basically just kind of learned to be addicted to the feeling of, right. of being insecure, of being totally unprepared for something and then seeing how it worked out. There's a certain kind of freedom in that, huh? Like Sure. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> dude, I love it. But uh, all right, yeah. So uh, why I brought you on the show? Yeah, you know, like I've been doing a little bit more like technique talking, uh, just because you know I found out that you know, like it's got a lot of um, a lot of people are just kind of new to fishing. There's still a lot of things that I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, but uh, you know I watched a lot of your videos, uh, and that's too long ago. And when I reached out to you, I thought that'd be a good thing to talk about. It's one of your uh, I can't remember what company it was for, but it was your uh, it was like spring fishing, like things to know about spring. Um, and that's to me like people love spring. And I, I love it. I love spring when, when it actually turns to spring. But I'm in upstate New York, so I don't know anymore like what the definition of like early spring is. You know, I grew up in Panama City, Florida, so I know what you know when the girls start coming down to the beach. <laughs> you know, I, I know I know that's springtime, but uh, it's you know, very here, distracting then to go fishing when that's <laughs> happening too. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, up here, you know, it's just different. And so you know, like you know, there one talks about like the pre-spawn, and uh, you know, that's the best. You know, when we're gonna catch your PBs, and, and don't wrong when it when it happens. I catch fish, but you know, it's just, uh, the transitioning, the, uh, the fish moving up where they're at at certain times. Like, cause a lot of times I've, you know, I've gotten better at it, but like the last few years, it's like, I go find a spot that I know eventually when they do decide to move up, that's where we're going to move to. Mm-hmm. But I'm tired of doing that. I, I'm tired of going out there for like two months freezing, uh, and waiting for this time, you know, to come where the fish move up to finally get my bite. And then my season can officially start. So there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about just like basically like spring fishing going from like the, uh, like the pre-spawn and maybe like the pre-pre-pre-spawn. That's the part that really gets me. And then moving up into like the post-spawn. I just want to kind of pick your brain about it. Like we, we'll walk through like the, the each phase. Maybe put a little more emphasis on the uh, the, the pre-spawn for me. And then kind yeah. of just kind of like, some of the things that you like to do and some of the things you do get prepared. But I think if I had to pick like a thing I really wanted to focus on, it's like how to target these fish, you know, how to find these fish, and not just waiting for that, that day when they finally move up. And it's just like every time you throw, you know, something in there, they bite. You know, it's those – those hard days, I guess, you know, they're, they're coming for the pre-spawn that really get me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I think that that in the past, I think a lot of us get caught up in putting a little bit too big of expectations on pre-spawn because you hear about these guys yeah. catching these big fish yeah. and stuff. So sometimes you get a little discouraged too. You're like, hey, I, I fished a couple great looking things and why aren't I catching, you know, right. why not catch a 10-pounder? This is when I was supposed to catch it. And um, that will come. And every every season is actually great fishing um you know you guys being way up north where it's frozen and stuff you know the winter might uh when there's ice on the on the lake that might uh you know get in the way of you guys actually having some fun in the winter time but really every season has its opportunities the and a lot of what i've learned too is is not just from me i i you know i'm going to regurgitate a lot of things I've learned from uh getting to watch the FLW for 5 years um you know I get to watch these guys uh, fish live. And then I get to call them and ask them questions. Hey, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why are you fishing deep when everyone's fishing shallow and, and really pick their brains as just a student of the game. It's stuff that I want to know that I might not even talk about on the show, but it's stuff that just, it just always interests me. And so what I've kind of learned about the spring is that there, you kind of got to take, you know, what the mentality of the fish is, because there is no universal what spring is. There's no definition to it. Um, like you said, you're, you know, from Florida to the, all the way up, uh, you know, up 
northeast and then you've got the same northeast kind of mimics the northwest is that it stays cold for a lot longer um in california it can be impossible to tell where the change is because you're just like what are we cold hot where is it and the real the, the real kind of thing that happens is that you know basically after january um you know, as the light changes, as you're going to get those, um, as we're, you know, daylight savings, as the days start getting longer, those fish instinctively know that they're going to need to go into, sp- uh, they're going to need to go into spawning. And, um, and so the, the big difference you got to put in your head is that these fish are oriented shallow. They might not be shallow, right. but they're looking like their intentions are shallow. And if you can think about that, where like in the wintertime, they're not, they're not going anywhere. They're, they're where they need to be. They have found that whatever temp, the temperature, that zone they need to be in. And they're just trying to do minimal effort to do anything. But once that, once there's any kind of warming trend, once there's in the days are getting a little bit longer, you're automatically going to have warming trends. Those fish are focused shallow and it's going to happen. And they're going to use any excuse to pay attention and start going shallow. Um, and if, and so if you know that, and if you know kind of some, some places that they start the winter time, um, you know, those are main lake points that they move out to just deeper water, um, as a, as kind of a rule of thumb, if you kind of go, okay, they're in these areas deeper and they're going to move to shallower areas, back of coves, um, you know, they're going to move into big Creek channels and things like that, um, you can kind of circle where they're going to go. And then you kind of can start picking apart where some big points are going to be that they're going to move moving through that area. Um, you know, stuff like if you can see an Island top or you can see a, you know, um, you know, curve in the Creek channel, that's got a steep little bank, they'll move. And, and if you could pick like, if you take a long Creek channel, you could pick like five spots, five targets in that Creek channel, and you can go fish those five spots. And, and depending on where we're at in that, pre-spawn even so if i don't even know where we're at in pre-spawn or pre-pre-spawn uh, you know because a lot of times you go out we don't fish as much as we'd like to so you go out there and you're trying to figure out shit is it spawn is it pre-spawn right. is it winter where i don't even know where we're at like there's all these videos i don't even know what my lake is at so this is how you can kind of figure those things out and and so if you know where they were in the, if you know where they were or are in the winter time and where they're going to be in the spring you kind of just start dissecting spots between there and um, so you can go into one creek channel. You can start all the way back in the back and go, hey, they're going to be back here. They're going to be looking back here. I'm going to start here and work my way out. And then the next creek channel, you can start in the mouth of it and start working your way in. And you can figure out where you're starting to run into fish. Right. The other thing is, um, and, and I know with kayaks, this becomes a lot more complicated, but um, trying different ends of the lake. Uh, this is something that that is just so obvious. And, and you, you you hear this you know, in different podcasts and listen to people talk about fishing. But when you actually watch it on live, when you're watching these guys in the FLW or the uh, elite series or MLF, all these different circuits, you see how different, different ends of the lake are. Um, so as a kayak fisherman, um, I would dedicate, you know, a day up uh, to North end of the lake and then a dedicate the day to the complete South end of the lake to figure out where these are uh, different things going on. The fish in the south end may still be in a wintertime mode, but they may be easier to target because the ones in the north are kind of in a funk. They've all started to kind of change and they haven't really positioned themselves yet. And so you'd be amazed at the drastic, drastic differences of the fish behavior on each end of the lake. Um, That also 
happens on um, where the sunlight is is hitting on the different sides of the lake. Um, and so uh, I'm going to get disoriented right now, but it's, I guess, so that that sun is low, right? Uh, during the winter time. So you're going to get that the north, north and the north, let's see, northwestern banks, I believe, you're, are going to get the most sunlight. Right. And so if you kind of just make a mental note of that, and you can see it when you're actually out in the water too, it actually becomes very obvious what's getting more sunlight than others. That's very important. Those areas of the lake are going to be drawing those fish up um, faster than other areas of the lake. And so when you're picking up on components like that, you can do that from your computer before you even get out in the water. You can kind of make some guesses and stuff and, and, and highlight some little areas you want to try. And then when you get out on the water, it's just about hitting those spots and, and moving around enough until you find active fish. It, it's, it's amazing how much dead water you can fish and then all of a sudden hit the right spot and there's just activity there. You're getting bit. Um, and it just, it just clicks for you. Well, let me ask and you, this. you go ahead. Um, the, uh, like how important are the, uh, the water temps do you think? Cause like one thing that I didn't find out through the years, like when I, when I have a good day, even when it's cold up here, we're talking about, you know, like between like 40 and 55 degree water uh, on a day that's supposed to be like a hard fishing. I'll find them shallow sometimes like trying to, like, I don't know if it's cause they're trying to find warm water or if they're trying to stay you know, close to whatever grass is still left over from the last year, but I'll find them in these weird, especially smallmouth. If I can find like a uh, like a rocky area that's shallow, that's in the, and it's direct sunlight, no matter how cold the water is, like I can get them to uh, to to, pl to to bite in those situations. And and, and uh, it, it's the weird because I was like, no, they're supposed to be deep. They're not really supposed to be moving up the sun. I'm like, I don't know about that because like that's like, when, I, when I do find them, and I'll find them. Like I'll visually find them, especially you know up in our clear lakes up here, and that's you know kind of where I find them and I'll find them up shallow on rocks or I'll find them like up in there. And what we, we don't, they're not real creeks, but they're, they're the closest thing that we have the creeks up here. Sure. I'll find them just like in there. They're, they're, they're lethargic. They're staying still, but they're there. Um, and, I, and it kind of made me question like, does the water tip always, or is the water, I guess is the water tip more like relative to where you're at, I guess. Yes. And that's what I was, that's my answer. Water temps matter a lot, but not universally. I right. can't tell you. So your bass's world is that lake. It has never right. experienced Florida water. It has never seen those girls in the spring in Florida uh, on the beaches of Florida. It, it's never experienced uh, the, the the easy life in California where it's, you're talking 40 degree water, dude. Those fish have never out here. They don't know what 40 degree water is. Right. They get fed trout and they like they, these, all these fish learn different lives. And, and so while you go, Hey, let's, I want to read the, what bass do one one It always isn't. It, it's, it's, those are just guidelines that you need to apply to your local water. And that's a great uh, point too about the creek channels. You know, that that's, uh, you hear that term a lot when you hear about pre-spawn. They're moving up into these creek channels into shallow water. Well, if there's no creek channels, that doesn't mean the bass are not moving, not going to spawn, right? right? They're going to, they're going to spawn and they, and they find a way. So what's their substitute that the creek channels are just a great example because it creates this roadway and they will follow the deepest part of that creek channel. But then if you have a little uh, secondary point that juts out, they'll move right. up and they'll feed on that. Well, then you go a week later and they're not on that. Well, then you go up to the, a little bit further and now they've moved up into a little island top or. I can't hear you. Can you hear me? I lost your volume. technical difficulty 
Hmm. Where'd he go? I guess I gotta find something to do between these little pauses. <laughs> Let me find like some uh, background music or some shit. <laughs> All right, no big deal. What you were you were talking about creeks using them to move up to find yeah. these little spots. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I was running. I, I'm hard on my equipment, man. I'm getting. Uh, I was getting on one right now, and uh, things must have gotten a little bit uh, burnt out. It's all good. But so the reason, so Creek channels are just a great example. It, it's because they, they have all the features, you know, you got deeper water channel. These fish can, can really move out into and slowly move their way back in. And you've got, you know, secondary point that comes out. They'll stack up on that. They'll end up in a flat that's all the way back or, or two thirds of the way back in there where they're going to spawn. So they'll, they'll sit out just a little bit deeper. And if there's a tree, a vertical tree, they'll hang around that, but they'll stack up. It's absolutely amazing. And if you can find a, a beautiful laid out Creek channel where it's got all these components and you follow them all the way back in there, they will keep replenishing. You will catch them at all these spots during different times of that spawn. So if you understand that, then you can back off. Okay, now you don't have any creek channels. What do you have? Do you have a marina? Okay, well, a marina's great. They'll, they'll move up under that marina. They'll, they'll suspend out deeper in front of it. Then they'll move up at certain times on a launch ramp next to the marina. They'll, they'll move into the gravel, the spawn and stuff. And so you just have to apply that to your lake. Same thing with those uh, water temps. Um, it is important to pay attention to that and how your fish react at your body of water. But in terms of being like, going out into a water, and I know a lot of people that are going to be listening, don't fish enough to really be dialed into the water temps, of their local waterways, or if you're fishing tournaments and things, um, you're, you're fishing all these different lakes. So you're not always tuned into how the fish are reacting. So it's more important just to see how it's changing day to day while you're out there fishing. So if you're going to fish a tournament, you know, on Saturday and you fish three days before that, and you're fishing for, you know, you pre-fish for three days, just pay attention to what those water temps are doing. If, if they keep increasing, those fish are, are going to be moving somewhere. They're going to be moving to feed up on some kind of secondary point. They're going to be moving up to spawn. You might not know where they are in their, in that spawning mode, but if those water temps are increasing, those fish are moving up to do something. And you just got to figure out what they, what that is and where that is. Well, let me ask you, um, so, you know, so when they're going like they're, like we all like you know like the way it is like when winter comes they go into the winter patterns which is usually offshore somewhere, uh whatever it is. How far do you think like or how far do these fish move? Like do you think really like move as far as uh, now? Grant, I'm I'm, not, I'm a Finger Lake guy and, and I live uh, five minutes north of Oneida, so I know it's a little different than like some of the things that the people that live off like the the, the Tennessee chain sure. and stuff like that. I know it's a lot different, but you know I'm sitting there thinking you know. Like those time of the years when I go out there, it's like, well, where could they really be? Like, are they really going to travel that far away from like these these places that were good feeding grounds? Like, are, are they going to look for like the closest, nicest, deepest water, or like, are, are they really moving that far, you know, across the lake or something? They move where the food is, um, and at the end of the day, if there's a ton of food way up shallow and it's really really cold up shallow, they're still going to be there. Yeah. They're going to be hanging out there, and, and so that's where you get a lot of differences between you know, deep reservoirs or shallow natural lakes and stuff where you're like, wait, in one, in the reservoir, they go to 40 feet deep. And then in my, in this res or in this 
uh, natural lake. They don't even have 40 feet of water. And, and the thing is, they're going to follow that bait around. And so in the wintertime, uh, in, in a lot of the lakes we've got out here, a lot of the reservoirs we've got out west, there's just tons of bait fish that'll stack up in certain creek, in the mouths of creek channels or out in the main lake. And they'll just sit out there and they'll just feed up on that. And uh, and so they don't have to do much moving. But bass will constantly, constantly move. And they move a lot more than most people really think. Um it's not a big deal for them to move. They don't really need to conserve energy that much. Um, that's what they do. They just like effortlessly glide through the water and they're only really going to stop when they find the ideal situation. So if they're sitting in a, a spot where just bait fish is always coming by them, they'll hang there. But if there's too many fish that all of a sudden are there and, and you know, some of these bigger fish, they'll move on because there's just, there's just too much activity going on there or they're getting, or if you find them and beat up on them and, and catch them a bunch, they'll just keep moving until they find the next spot that they, uh, that they feel comfortable in. And that's, that is constantly changing with the weather, with the, the different uh, situations. So they just, they have no problem moving miles and miles. They're just, they're constantly roaming around, um, with the size, you know, and that, that sometimes changes some of these bigger fish, they'll find a, they'll find an area they like a tree they like, and that's just their, their spot. And, uh, and they'll be there. You can catch them, you know, one year and then come back and catch them again the next year. And, and they may have just a hundred yard stretch where maybe they move a little bit deeper to a deeper tree or shallower tree. But I've, I've just, I've spent enough time talking to, to, uh, um, you know, big, you know, guys that catch these big 10 plus pound bass and there is a certain um, pattern that you see that, that they can predict where these big fish are going to be, or they can, they come back and catch big fish two, three times over years. Uh, so there is certain territory that, that these bigger fish will have, but for the most part, bass are just on the move. They're just opportunistic fish and they go with whichever way is going to be the easiest. Okay, so let's just so even during the winter when they're when they're moving patterns, it's that's just what they do. They just move, 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 and move. Winter winter will limit things down a little bit. It's it's not the it's two things. The bait fish will be moving out too. Everything kind of goes out to that right. that warmer water, so it kind of restricts how much um, how much water they're going to be in. They they actually do group up even though it doesn't, even though it's kind of harder to find them, right? Because they're offshore. They're not uh, just right on a, a point that you'd want them to be on or on a log that you'd want them to be on, but they are grouped up a lot more because that water, that thermocline is at a certain depth. And that's the comfort level um, of all those fish. Those little bait fish are there. And so the bass are right there with them uh, hanging out and trying to eat them. Right. Well, let me ask, cause uh, like, and, and I'm, I'm speaking cause like one of the, like if I go down South, I feel a lot better fishing there because when you watch, like when you have like all those different, um, uh, you know, whatever, uh, creek, creek arms, and, and you kind of know like how the fish, when they start moving up, you know, they're going to stop, they're going to start stopping at you know, these points and these second points. And, and like you said, like, everything's geared towards moving shallow. And so as they start moving up, they're going to stop here, feed. And then as it's whatever, as the water temperatures get better, they'll start moving up and whatever, like, until they reach their goal of, uh, you know, finding, finding a place they're going to spawn. Um, it's hard for me to figure out these finger lakes, man. I don't know what these fish do. Um, it, it, it should make sense to me because you can literally, sometimes you can literally throw a rock from one side to the other, uh, you know, across some of these lakes. There's not these big branches that go off or these crazy, you know, routes that these fish take, but trying to figure out where they are. I mean, is it, am, I, am I supposed to treat it like a pond where it's like, just go shallow until you get to the middle of the lake until you find them. Or like, like it's, it's, I, know, I have a hard time. Like when it comes to like pre-spawn, like find the fish before they move up. Cause like, I can't figure out what route they're taking. Cause I don't know. Like, there's no routes to take. It's like, it goes from being really deep 
to really shallow or to the north end or to all the way to the south end. But that's that's it. You know, I don't have like, and you would think it'd be easier to to, to pinpoint to, you know like the corralum or something like that. But it's not like when, when it, during the pre-spot, I struggle hard trying to find those fish in places like Cayuga um, and whatever some of the other finger lakes that we have. Um, I think you're in a similar situation that, that most people are in, right? They they read and and, li- and watch videos about the ideal situations, right? And <laughs> they're like, I know exactly bass. what to do. And they get out of their body water. They're like, there's none of that. And, watched, and if you, I watched if, tactical bass in one time, I'm like, that's, you know, that's not my lake at all. It's like, <laughs> lakes, they're, they're totally different. Like, I mean, sure, sure. And, and so that's, and so there is, there's no right answer to that. However, um, what can you control? What things can, what variables can you figure out? And if that's what areas are getting the most sunlight, um, right. What areas, you know, can you can you predict where they're going to spawn? Is there any areas that have more more of a gravelly, more rock exposure than other areas? And if you can start finding that kind of stuff, you can start making a little bit better predictions about where those fish are going to go. A lot of situations where we talk about them moving back in the creek channels, a lot of lakes aren't like that. You're not getting the. You may have a marina. Those fish are going to move up and feed for spawn the same place they're going to actually spawn. Right. Like they're going to yeah. they're going to move up and they're going to feed heavy, and it's going to be a pre-spawn bite. And then that same exact spot is going to be where they're also spawning in, in a couple of weeks. And so it's just like, you're like, this is way to pre, is this a pre-spawn or a spawn or a post-spawn? And you're like, it's all of it. It's just, they just live, this is just a good spot and they're, they're doing their thing here. And right. so, so, and that's actually more common than following this perfect little, uh, you know, pre-spawn, spawn, post-spawn route that, uh, that, that most times you're going to learn about. And most times I talk about on the videos and stuff. Um, because there are so you, if you know exactly the, the best conditions, then you can try to figure out what can, what of those components do you have at your actual uh, lake or body of water? And those are, where's that sunlight going? Um, the, the difference in temperature um, from end to end of that lake, you're going to get a totally different temperature uh, up north than you're going to get down south most of the time or wherever you are away from the dam, right? The dam's going to be the deepest water. That's going to be the coldest uh, part of the lake and up north is going to be the warmest part. And that okay. doesn't mean the north is always going to be better because it's warming faster. That just means it's usually going to be a little bit ahead of whatever's going on. Okay. So, 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 so yeah, so using things that would be like ideal, like what, like the, the, cause I guess one thing that I've been like using, like, is I always find the warmer water and I always find the grass, no matter what time of the year it is, or like, especially in the cold times, it's like find the warm, I like find the warmest water you can find. And then try to find whatever left over for grass. I don't know why I say the grass, like that's just something that I just have luck finding them there. If there's any grass left over, but especially you'll find the warmest water you can on the, on the lake. Um, and that's, that's usually, and, and then kind of work from there, I guess, it, cause that would be ideal conditions for them. Cause they, they want warmer water, right? Yes. Yes. And yeah, but I've had a lot of uh, top fishermen just talk about something that looks alive, just something that looks good. And you're like, what? The, okay, tell me, what? What are? The, give me the bullet points. Like, no, it just looks like every lake is different. But you go, you're you're cruising around the lake, and all of a sudden you pull into a cove, and you're just like, there's things going on here. Oh, I see some shad flickering. I see some fish that are that must be feeding on bait fish because they keep diving. Um, you see some grass on the grass, and you still haven't seen any fish yet, but you start going, this has the components I need. Right. And if you can find those areas, every lake has areas that just will visually look better. And, um, and that's, 
that's the easiest way to find productive water, especially for I mean, for pretty much 90% of anglers that, that are not just, they don't have just unlimited time being able to look at the graphs and, and yeah. study the water and do all these, you know, real smaller things, just going out and visually looking and, and finding water that just looks better that you just feel you're like, yeah, they're here. This feels good right now. And that's just by seeing activity. There's, there's going to be, um, there's going to be fish, bait fish or uh, birds on the shoreline. Um, egrets and things like that, blue heron that are just going to be sitting there lining the banks and you're just going to be like, there's stuff going on here. I just now have to figure out where these fish are. All right. Well, done with the, yeah, the pre, pre, pre-spawn, but uh, that, that, that phase in between, um, you know, the pre-spawn and the spawn, like when, when those fish are really moving up and they're hungry and they're eating, you know, being like a tournament angler, you know, there's something like, like I catch a lot of fish from that time, but like you catch too many fish sometimes, you catch too many, um, uh, like, like you don't catch the, the quality of fish that you need. Is there anything that you're doing like specifically that, like that's, that's helping you like target the big fish during like that feeding frenzy that's going on when like when they when it's like every time you throw it throw it in there you're getting bit. But you're just I mean like I said like if you're out there just recreational fishing who cares? But if you're out there like trying to find the the big ones, you know, I have a hard time targeting those the, the big guys. I don't every now and then I catch them, but it's not like it's you know you since you spend so much time like just just running into like you know the 14 16 inches sure and I, need, I, I need i need those 17 to 20 inches uh you know, what are some of the things that you've done like, that kind of help you bypass those and find the big ones uh fishing predictable areas um the beginning as i started out as a bass fisherman i was always trying to find those secret spots the spots that nobody else knew trying to and just spending a lot of time just off in no man's land trying to figure out where that that's just that that's the secret spot that, that I was going to be able to just uh, load the boat and be able to blow everyone away. And I found this little unique spot. And the reality is that just by looking at a map, I can tell you where the probably the most productive areas are going to be. And that sounds like, okay, so everyone's going to do that. And, and the thing is, it, it, it doesn't, or they don't fish it the right way. I mean, there's definitely, there's, a huge amount of just fishing spots correctly and, and that the majority of people are not doing. And so you at least want to be on the high productive areas while you try to figure out how to fish that area. Right. Because the last thing you want to be doing is fishing areas that are not very productive and then still trying to figure out how to catch fish there. You're just stacking the deck against yourself. You want to add as many components in there to, to be able to have the, you know, to be able to get lucky and, and so fishing, you know, fishing main lake points, I mean, just fishing all those, if you were to write what bass want to hang out in, if you were to write a list of those things, those are what you want to be fishing. Um, you know, if you've got a bunch of trees going down a row, you want to find those trees that are, uh-oh, little man's like, dude, I need my bedroom, dad. Um, and so just finding stuff that's different. If you got lots of trees, you want to figure out which ones are sticking out a little bit deeper. And those are the areas you're going to spend a little bit more time um, uh, dissecting and things. Creek channels. If you've got some little bends in the creek channels and stuff, uh, bass will follow. Uh, they will, they, they all do the same thing. They're all just creatures of habit. And they all kind of, if the water's getting warm, whatever's getting them going, they're all following that same thing. It's all triggering, it's triggering them all and, you know, whatever natural selection stuff spaces them out a little bit, right? So they're not all coming in one wave and everything, and, but they all will come to these same areas. And that's what makes, you know, that's what makes everyone goes, everyone fishes that spot. Well, the reason everyone fishes that spot is because the fish are always there. They always use that spot. So 
where you can, and then if you're like, if you're listening to this, you're like, dude, thanks. You're telling me to fish all the spots everyone fishes. You can then, there will be little adjustments in that. You will have a main lake point. Everyone catches them and you'll realize there's actually a little secondary little kick that goes out. And that when everyone fishes this, it moves the fish actually over to this little secondary point that comes off the side of it or something. And you know, to catch them right there. Um, and so there's a lot of little ways once you're doing that, that you will figure out how to expand that and how to get more fish out of it. But I'm telling you, when you have those days where you are catching just enormous, just the numbers, the big fish, everything that the traditional pre-spawn, just wide open action. It happens when you're fishing predictable spots. It's very, it happens. They, they fish do this every year. They've been doing it longer than we've been on this earth. And, and, and they just, then they're going to keep doing it. And some are going to get caught, but they're not, they're not going to switch their migration patterns because they're getting caught. They're, they're going to do it again every year. They're being, they're being motivated by something and it's not about uh, food at that point. They're being motivated by getting up there to spawn and stuff that's deeper than any hook is going to uh, be able to uh, change their mind about. Right. That's a good point. And when they, uh, when they start moving up for like the, uh, to find their beds, um, they're not, yeah, when, you, when you, when you look at like, uh, I guess like when you watch videos and you read about it, like they're looking for uh places with lots of sunshine they're looking for hard bottoms they're looking for this and looking for that but you know we started we, like, we already said like not every lake is the same um and you know a lot of times i have a hard time like finding them during the spawn um because some you know, like oneida for instance it's not always the clearest lake it's not all you know it's not like the finger lakes it's uh, it's a lot different um so like what are like, some of the things you're looking for uh besides you know like like because like, when, when i do find them spawning it's in the weirdest places i'm like I'm like, you, you, you really had to work hard for that, you know, to, to find that spot. Um, you know, but what are some of the things that you found that like to help you be more productive, like during the spawn, uh, you know, whether it's targeting beds or, uh, or whatever, but you know, spawn, spawn can be a tough time to catch fish. Yep. Yes. And it can be a little bit, uh, the terms used can be misleading also. Um, right. another thing that I learned while doing live is how much guys talk about catching spawning fish, but then they never see any of these fish actually spawning. They right. just have figured out these fish must be spawning the way they're biting, the way they can get hit twice. They, they're working a worm back from the bank and they get, they get hit and then uh, miss it and it bites half the worm off, right? They throw it right back in, they get hit again and they go, oh man, there's a fish spawning here. Well, this bank looks the same for the next hundred yards. There must be X amount of fish here. I'm going to work it really slowly and work along here methodically and, and figure out if I can get more fish out of here. And then they go, okay, I did. I caught 10 out of here. Um, where does it look like that again in the next couple miles uh, up, up the lake? And so they never even see these fish, even though they're saying, yeah, I'm fishing for bad fish. And, and they go even deeper than this. They will, you know, not stick the fish. They'll get bites and they'll mark the GPS spots where they got those bites. And they'll not only put the GPS point, but they didn't catch the fish on that GPS point. They caught the fish towards the shore, right? So they'll match up hey, the dock with the whatever block and they'll make notes so that in the tournament, they come back and they go, they sit right on the GPS spot and they go that dock to the right halfway between that stick and they, and they throw right up there and they get bit and they catch fish like that. And they, they're bed fishing without ever even seeing a bed, ever even seeing the bass. And, right. and so the idea of thinking that bed fishing is just going up. What I always thought it was is just going up and seeing a fish and then trying to figure out how to get it uh, right. angry enough to bite is, is not how most of the fishermen are actually catching their bed fish when you're hearing them talk like, and it sounds like that's what they exactly what they were doing. Um, and, and so 
when you are trying to bed fish in your lake and trying to find areas that, that are better areas, you first have to pay attention to what, how fish are biting. Um, it, and that's something that just kind of comes from experience. You start, and it comes from using better equipment as well. You'll just start getting more tuned into, um, Hey, they just tapped that. Hey, was that, were they just guarded? Did he just, did he just hit it? Or was that just a brim? Was that just a little bluegill hit, hitting it? Or was that just a small bass? And you'll start kind of being able to make guesses and, and you can, and you might be wrong sometimes, but as long as you're putting together uh, ideas in your head, you'll be able to make a plan off of that. Um, and then in terms of how, where fish will spawn, they'll spawn on anything. They'll spawn on the back of boats. They'll spawn on props that are in the water that are sitting there for long enough. Um, wherever, when, when they need to do what they need to do, they'll find somewhere to actually do it. Um, and a lot of times, um, I used to think that, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm looking for this gravel bottom and stuff. And this seems like it's just, you know, soot and stuff. I'm, I'm throwing my square bill or my spinnerbait. It's coming up with just gunk. There's no, there's not any hard bottom here. Right. And, and when the reality is, you know, there's just a lot of that sediment on top where these fish fan out and build their nest, there is some hard bottom. Um, and so one of the things I would do a lot um, in, in Clear Lake to kind of see what the bottom was, and, and Clear Lake out in Northern California where Matt and uh, uh, Tim were doing all their videos, um, it's not a clear lake. I mean, it sometimes has a few foot visibility, but I would just take my rod and I would dip it down to the bottom and I would be able to see if there was any kind of gravel down there. And, and, you know, you want to be very careful with that because you break your rod tip really easy, but it is, your rod is very sensitive and it will scratch on, on a little gravel and you will be able to tell that, oh, this is a great bottom for it. this. This could be a perfect spot for that. And I'm going to, you know, throw a square bill. I'm going to work this bank a little bit and see if there's some action. But if you're just sticking in there and it's just mud, like you don't even know when you hit the bottom, you know, those places you fish and you stick that thing down there and you're like, did I, am I on the bottom? And you lift it up and it's just like all your eyelids have all that gunk right. hanging from it there's the, ba the bass are not looking to spawn right there. Go find right. uh go find a launch ramp, go find some kind of man-made structure. They'll, they'll uh, spawn off of that. Um, and so you've just got to figure out what the conditions you have there and, and figure out what the ideal would be for these fish to come move up to. Yeah. Like it, I, I struggled during the spawn. Like I think last year I figured, I, I figured out right at the end, like how to really like target, like, especially the smallmouth bass, but it, it took me forever. And then I, I realized I don't like, I don't like fishing beds. I don't like, um, it's a, uh, it's, it's a long, it can be a long, painful process. Um, I mean, it can be rewarding, but uh, I found, you know, I found that like not all fish are spawning at the same time. And so I try to, yeah. I try to spend most of that time like targeting fish that aren't necessary at that part of the, uh, the cycle. Well, that's a great point you bring up is that if you find bed fish, there is, a, there is fish out deeper. And right. a lot of times there's a bigger fish out deeper. Those big females, they move up very quick short windows and that and so it's very hard to catch them when they're up there because it's it happens quick but they move out they're feeding for a long time uh my buddy steve parks who uh, created the rage uh series for strike king um he always would hammer to me go travis what fish in the lake or what which fish do you think eat the most in the entire lake and i'm like hmm, the big fish right? That's how they get, that's how they get big. They eat the most. They have to eat to stay that big. They have the biggest appetite. They're eating the most where we give these big fish so much credit for being so clever and smart, right? They're, oh, they're so hard to catch. They're eating more than any other fish. Right. So it, it's when you, when you think about it like that, you, you can start going, okay, that, maybe I got to do something. Maybe I'm just not fishing in the right areas. And those big fish will sit 
to, to feed that much, they've got to sit in areas that they are really going to have the most opportunities. And right. that's going, so if you find these bed fish that are up shallow, move, go turn around, put your boat right on shore and turn around and go, where did these fish come from? And where are the bigger ones waiting? And right. whatever you see that's up on the shore, there's way more either waiting to come up or way more that have moved out there moved and are, and are recovering There's no matter what it is, there's a ton of fish somewhere out right. in front of you and, and they're ready to be caught. You just have to figure out what they need and where they, where they're uh, pinned up on. And that, that was kind of like my thinking process, but you look up and you see like, you know, I don't know what five, maybe ten fish in this stretch that are that are betting. It's like I know these aren't the only ten fish in the uh, the lake right now. I know there's yes. thousands of more behind me somewhere, and you know it, it's tough because also that weird that weird time frame where like there, there might be some waiting to move up, but there also might be some that are waiting that are that have already that are moved back. And I think you know going into like the next part, like the uh, the post spawn, where I absolutely have a, a difficult time. And I don't know why, because some people tell me, oh, well, they're, hung they're hungry. They've been sitting on beds. They haven't been eating. They're wrecked. They're just waiting for you to put a lure in their face. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, this is what I'm doing. And then you know, I can't seem to find like exactly what those fish want to do at that certain time. Cause uh, I don't know. It it's just like, great. I know, I know they're beat up and I know they're, they're not necessarily as aggressive as they were during the pre-spawn, but that's probably if I had to pick like besides like uh, early fall, like I would say that the post spawn is like my hardest time to catch a fish. The post spawn can be a little challenging, um, but the thing is, you know, we've all fished tournaments, and we think the bite is the toughest it's ever been, and then we see guys come in with huge bags, right? Yeah, and we're like, yeah. "What, dude? No, I, I convinced myself this was a really tough bite," and right. and so so really, the bite the bass are biting a lot. They, they're, they are feeding, they, I mean, if you learn anything from fishing these tournaments where there's always people bringing fish in that they were biting somewhere. And, and so. Isn't that weird that we, that we think that like, it's, like I, do these fish, yes. I do these tournaments when it's like, it's, it'd be like mid August and it's hot as shit. And uh, I can't get a bite. I'm like, they're just not biting. And then some guy brings in a hundred inches. It's just like, well, they're biting. He caught a hundred inches of fish and those, you know, it's just, it, it's a, it's a weird thing that we put in our head. Yes. It says they're not biting, you know, it, or they're and, it's not. and it's unfortunate that we use like a lot of our knowledge to give us excuses of why we didn't catch them. And, exactly. and we're and so when we talk about pre-spawn, spawn, post-spawn, there is never a time where even a majority of the fish are in any of those modes. It is all scattered throughout there. So for, for, for you to say, Hey, post-spawn is really difficult. Well, because what you're trying to catch the, the only fish that aren't trying to eat right now, the ones that just came off the nest, right? Cause that female, she lays her eggs. She's just ragged, right? She's tore up. She's all ripped up and, and she goes out and she may just sit there. She's suspended off a tree stump. That's in 10 feet of water. And she's just sitting there just like, not even like she's seen, I'm sure if she's going to live another year, right? She's just <laughs> hanging. She's shocked. And that's not the fish you should be trying to catch at that moment. Right. Like, and so that's a post spawn bass right there. And then eventually after a week or so, she's going to move back out to where she was uh, in pre-spawn. She's going to start feeding it. She's going to hit those jerk baits. She's going to hit those, uh, you know, jigs. I love throwing um, um, uh, swing head jigs uh, in the spring when you've got, uh, you know, got a little creature on the back of that. You use a half ounce, three quarter ounce. You keep that thing on the bottom and you just reel it like a crankbait. It's just banging around down there. And that can be a great way to catch some big fish. And, and cover a lot of water, find hard bottoms with that, a lot of uh, benefits that come along with that. But that post-spawn fish, once it gets into a, a more post-spawn mode, will hit those things. It gets active, starts feeding again. But the thing is, 
if if you're if you're convinced that they're on a there that you're seeing all these bed fish and they're just not the right fish and you're just like hey this they're just not moved up on beds yet then quit fishing beds and, and if you're not catching <laughs> if you're like these are post spawn fish I can't catch them quit trying to catch post spawn bass go somewhere else and find where the fish are doing something it's, different it's, it's, because it's they so are. Weird. It's so weird hearing you talk about it because it's like it's like we we're more in a pattern than they are. You know what I mean? It's like it's like it's like it's like I'm in I'm in the post spawn you know the post spawn pattern, not the you know what I mean? It's, it's weird how we look at things like that where we, we you know I guess I guess if I if I if I had to pick one thing I want to improve on in 2021, it's to, it's to quit wasting my time and doing shit that doesn't make sense. To really folk like it's, it's like everything you said like. Why are you targeting these fish anyways? Like, why do you like go find where they're where they are at, where they are biting, where they are hungry, and, and quit making excuses because someone else is out there just you know whacking them right now. It's just, yes, it's, it's, it's so weird, like how like we are the ones who get in these crazy patterns and these crazy. It's, it's it's like we know so much about fish that we forget that they're fish and they're wild animals, and that we're you know that we're the opposite. You know, it's it, 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 every year I'm just like I get dumbfounded about how dumb the fisherman is, not the fish. You know. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it is, uh, and this is all coming. I mean, I, I know this because I've made all these mistakes. I've been the first person to like use all my knowledge to figure out why I didn't catch them or why nobody could have caught them that day. And, and the reality is talking to pro after pro, it's just, they're very fluid. They just don't, they don't get locked into like, oh, these fish are just not be biting right now. No, they're just not doing the right thing in front of the right fish yet. And so they'll just keep moving, trying different things. And, and they will use they will use the eliminating water is a big thing. You hear that a lot. These pros can go days not catching fish and they're still like, Oh yeah, dude, I've, I've learned a lot. I'm about to get on them because they, they, they can't be anywhere else besides right here or here. And, and to watch them have so much confidence from nothing, from not actually getting any like real positive feedback is amazing. And eventually they sure enough will run into them. And, and so the same thing when you're actually getting positive feedback, if you're getting bites, um, and you get bites up shallow and then you stop getting them, go find another spot. Like I figure out what happened. Was it the, the angle of the bank? Was it with a sun position? What was it? And duplicate that and, and, or take that and go, okay, that means the fish, they're trying to come shallow. Where else can I find them trying to come shallow, but not getting too caught up in, is this pre-spawn right now? Is it spawn or is it post-spawn? Because that just, that doesn't really, it, that doesn't really help you get anything. It just kind of makes when it just gets you disappointed when you're not actually catching like, Hey, it's, it's pre-spawn. Why can't I catch them like this? Don't worry about it. Just figure out how to catch them that day. Yeah. So, so I mean, like if you had to, I think, I think you might've already said it, but like, let's, let's just, let's break it down to like, let's find catch, like seek and destroy. Like, like how, how are we doing this? How are we figure it out? Like where they are, whether it's whatever part of the phase, like, like what, what are you doing to make your, your day successful in the water? If I'm going to, so any lake, I don't care where, where it is, I'm going to bring uh, some stuff that I can cover water. Um, and so, it, and it's going to be red uh, most of the time too in the, in the spring. Those fish, um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of theories. The idea is that they're eating crawdads, they're really honed into crawdads because it helps the consistency of their eggs. Um, and it just helps in the whole spawning process to have the, the vitamins or whatever, the nutrients from these crawdads. And so they really, really hone into red. So I love a red lipless crankbait. Uh, a lot of guys will use a square bill. Square bill is fantastic this time of the year as well. And um, and you don't even have to get too dialed into all this stuff. Like it could just be the color. If you can say it's red, it's good enough. You don't have to have this exact, you know, it, you know. don't worry about those things. 
And so you have a red square bill or red lipless. I like half ounce to a three quarter ounce. I tend to go more of a three quarter ounce because I have more control over that bait. I can hop it. I can do just a lot more things in different water columns with that. And, and that's the whole idea of a lipless crankbait is that I can cast and retrieve. I can let it go all the way down the bottom and just slow retrieve and just right. bump that thing along the bottom. I can yo-yo it, hop it. I can do so much. I can fish it just like a jig. And so that allows me to, as I'm zooming down the bank, looking at things and going, okay, there's a, there's a secondary point. I'm going to cast right up on it. I'm going to fish this like a jig. I'll just hop it down the bank bump, 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 and nothing. And then all of a sudden I go, oh, I got some grass. Oh, there's grass down here. And, and I haven't, felt any grass this whole time I've been out here. Okay. I'm going to set up, I'm gonna make a couple more casts here. Can I, is the grass out deeper? Is the grass farther in? And as I try to figure out where this grass is, boom, I get bit. And, and in the lakes I fish, usually I'll throw over a buoy or something just to, so now I can search this area a little bit more because these fish will stack up so much. Um, and so the lipless crankbait is, is definitely one of my number one tools. Um, but I know there's gonna be people watching like lipless just isn't going to work in my lake. There's just too much shit, all that stuff. Uh, spinner bait is also a fantastic bait to use. Um, that can be more, there's people that use red spinner baits, um, which works really good out here, but just using a traditional, you know, uh, uh silver spinner bait with either a, you know, a little shad, uh, pattern to it, or like a chartreuse, if you got a little more dingier water, but uh, like a three quarter ounce, something a little bit heavier that you can bounce down any kind of creek channels or bounce down the bank. Um, a lot of times keeping that bait on the bottom seems to be a ticket for some of these bigger fish this time of the year. Um, and then the same thing with a, um, a uh, swing jig. So you got just that football head that's got the little, it's got the, the hook that you actually could swing back and forth. Put a little creature bait on that, like a rage craw and in a half ounce or three quarter ounce. And you can cast that and just put your rod tip down and bang that along the bottom. And it's weedless. So you can just get over everything. And so you can catch fish doing that. But the other thing is you can really understand the bottom contour doing that. You're trying to feel out rocks or wood or anything like that. And then you can slow it down and work it slowly over that, just like you would a Texas rig or something and, and figure out if there's anything going on there. And you're doing this these are all baits that you can really, um, you can affect, you can do things very quickly. So you can be efficient when covering all these areas um, because I just don't get enough time to know where these fish are normally. I'm not out enough. So when I get to a lake, I got to cover ground quickly. I got to eliminate and figure out where these, where I need to spend my time. And, and as pretty much all of us need to do that. And so, uh, so those are great little baits. Then I need something that, that I can throw to those exact sweet spots that, uh, that just look fantastic. But you know, if it's a, if it's just a one um, or one vertical tree it, it, towards the back of a creek channel or something, you know, the lipless just isn't going to do it justice. The, the, you know, none of those baits are going to do it justice. So throwing like a wacky rig Cinco or something right there, letting that fall vertically along there. Um, it, that's in a green pumpkin or, you know, just or black and you know, black with blue flakes, something like that. That's just like the, the most popular bait out there. You don't need some crazy color. If there is, you're not looking for one fish. You're looking for 50 fish that are hanging, they're spending around that thing that are waiting right. to move up somewhere else. And so that Cinco is not going to fall by 50 fish without one hammering it. And right. so you want something that's going to get you the result you need. So where, um, where most beginner fishermen are always concerned with color and, and like having that exact right thing that you don't need that when you are just trying to figure out where these fish are, use a green pumpkin um, and, and fire it over there. They're going to hit it if they're there. 
Um, and same thing when you're coming to any trees that are laid down, you can throw that right along there. Um, I'll, you know, I'll mix in a drop shot uh, sometimes as well. Um, and, uh, and that's basically it. I mean, you can keep it real simple. I throw some top water and stuff, you know, just because I, around here, I just know what they want. But if I'm fishing a lake blind, I'm throwing a, a lipless, a spinnerbait, uh, or a square bill, a swing jig, and some kind of finesse bait like the uh, Wacky Rig uh, Senko. Okay. Nice. And uh, just to clarify, like, you like to start up shallow, work your way out, or like, start up in the creeks, work your way out during this uh, this funky time, you know, the spring. It'll depend. It, it doesn't really matter. Right. As long as you know what you're doing. So <laughs> if it's freezing out, I'm going to be like, I don't know if they're way back there. Let's start right, on the right, 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 like yeah. point and, yeah. and let's start working our way in. But, uh, but I, I, you, I guess what I'm saying is like trying to like, uh, like, almost, like, like what I told you, like, like the hardest part about like me, is, like not the hard, but like that, that pre pre spawn, like when they're, you just don't know if they're moving up and it's just like, it's cause like here, like, 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 I don't know about other people, but like between 45 and 55 degrees, a lot of shit can happen up here. That could be a, a feeding, a feeding frenzy. Um, and it could be at 40 degrees too. If it's, if it's if depending on how long the winter has been going, um, uh, like it, it might start a little, you know, whatever, like the, the water temp, it's almost like uh, sometimes, sometimes like I find it up here. Sometimes it's irrelevant. Like when those fish are hungry, they're hungry. And so, like I'm talking about, you know, like you don't really know, but it's not freezing cold. But like, you know, kind of like, you know, like whatever you're trying to find them, and you just don't know where they're at. Well, checking shallow is always a good thing. Um, yeah. a, a guy, D. Thomas, uh, legend out here, uh, was invented flipping. I'm mean, one of the. You know, he's really old now, but he was a huge influence in, in bass fishing. He always told a buddy of mine, he says, shallow fish is a feeding fish. And so, so it, it, there's, it doesn't hurt trying shallow. You should right. always throw up shallow, uh, especially if you're saying, Hey, look, I know these fish in my area when it, it, it there's no rule that they're trying to eat. It doesn't matter how cold the water I, 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 I get that is. People, mind. people catch them in ice, right? They catch right. them under the ice. They're feeding. So if they have, if they have food up shallow, they're going to go up shallow and they're going to eat it. And, and so you should always be checking up shallow. Um, and, and I mean, you should always be doing different things. If something's not working, do something different. And if you're not catching them deep, start checking shallow. Right. And, and those fish, when you come out of winter, they want to be shallow. Yeah. And even if they're not coming up to spawn, they'll come up, they'll go through their spawning areas. They'll go through those shallow flats, looking to feed. They're moving around and they may move back and forth in some areas, especially if you don't have deep Creek channels where they can kind of progressively move back. If you have just, you know, main lake stuff, they're going to move up and down there all the time just to see right. what's going on. Well, cool, man. Well, we're done. We're done with that. Just a few more things. I'll let you go. I know we've been on here for over an hour, but, uh, I wouldn't feel right if we didn't talk a little bit about the, uh, the sticks rods, uh, I have like a set and a half right now. I'm going to be using the uh, the hell out of them this other uh, coming year. Um, you know, what, what do you think about the idea? Like, you know, like I, that, the, one of the reasons why I bought into it was I got, you know, my, my kayak flipped one day and I lost like a shit ton of rods and good, good rods. I'm not saying the sticks rods aren't good, but I'm talking about like expensive rods. I won't even call them good rods. They were expensive rods. They were Pacific rod, like whatever, whatever you want to say. And I just got tired of it. Cause I'm like, I'm not spending all that money again. Cause it took me forever to put that arsenal together. I'm just like, no, I want rods that are universal that I can be used for multiple techniques. I don't want to carry 12 rods in my, my kayak anymore. If I can get away with six rods, I want to get away with six rods. It just, it just happened to be the time then that I, that I found sticks and I started talking to Nick about it. And I'm like, this is like, 
there's also the point where even if I didn't like the rods, I was still going to use them just like out of defiance of what, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, just like uh, of the shit that you had to put up with. Like you need a Pacific rod for this and a, a rod for that. And I'm not saying you don't like there, there is a, a rod that I'm, that I'm using that is specifically for drop shot. And that's a little bit shorter than the rods that you have as far as like finesse. But I know I love the idea. And I'll, I'll let you talk more about it than me because you're, you're one of the guys behind them. So. Well, it, yeah. So, Nick, the informative fisher, and myself, we created a company called Sticks Fishing. And the idea is that, that him and I have made, uh, you know, hundreds of videos over the last decade um, on instructional videos for, for bass fishing. And one of the toughest, one of the most common questions, one of the most toughest questions we got to answer was, um, what rod should I use for that technique? Right. Because we didn't, you know, we, we talk about all these things and we want to simplify stuff. But when somebody says, Hey, what rod, we don't want to tell them to go out and they have to go buy a rod for that specific technique. If they're trying to just learn something new, they don't even know if it's going to work at their leg. They don't even know if they're going to be good at that. And so the question would be so long, we'd be like, well, what rods do you have? Do you have something that's a little heavier? And they, and they'd always think they have to go buy something for that specific technique. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And that's the biggest I don't want to say scam. The fishing industry has just not tried to do anything innovative in the way of rods in, in forever. Right. And they keep saying the word game changer when they come out with some <laughs> new little guide and everything. There's just, there just is no game changers that are happening in terms of technology with rods. And, and so everybody's rods are basically the same. They're all getting them from the same factories. They're the same components and they're just being designed, just the strength and just a tiny bit different by different pros and things. And it became extremely frustrating trying to purchase rods and always thinking that you needed, you know, 50 rods for all these different techniques when that couldn't be further from the truth. And the proof of that is that when you go to the top level, when you talk to these pros that are on all these top levels, they don't have all these different rods for specific techniques. They don't have time for that. They fish all these lakes. They're fishing all kinds of new techniques all the time. They need to know the equipment they have. So they have a select amount of rods and they just have, you know, multiple, they have three, four, five of the same rod and they know exactly what, action they're going to get out of that rod. So they know when they're using a certain lure that, Hey, this has a little bit more backbone or this doesn't, this is a little bit more of a limber rod. I'm gonna to have to set the hook a little bit harder. No big deal. I know that I know my equipment. So I know I have, how I have to adjust to it. So when Nick and I set out to create these rods, it was to help people, um, have, uh, equipment that they knew they could go out and fish any of these techniques we were talking about or that they were learning anywhere online. And so we created a full set of rods, six rods designed to fish all lures and techniques so that when you go out and you fish anything you've learned, anything you've heard on this show that we talked about on, and I will bet on any of the shows you've talked that, that you've had any of the hundred podcasts you've had, you will be able to use one of our rods to fish those techniques very effectively. And I, and I put it towards uh, the, the, you know, we look at the golf industry, right? You would never go golfing without a full set of golf clubs. But in the bass fishing industry, for some reason, there was never any talk of trying to create a set of rods that you will be able to have all the actions you need to fish all the, the techniques and lures you're going to face while you're out there. And just like in golf, you start out with whatever set of golf clubs. As you work on some part of your game, you can add uh, a club into that. You can add some higher end club that you bought for a specific shot that you're really getting better at, that mid range or whatever it is, but you still know you have your base set of, of clubs for everything else. Right. And that's the same thing this, this set is, uh, was intended to be is it's high quality rods, um, but we didn't go to the highest quality, which 
there seems to be this like diminishing, um, uh, I guess, performance. I've had expensive, expensive rods and they break. I don't yeah. treat them. I, I don't treat them well. And it's not their fault. It's my fault. Yeah. I, I cannot work with a high sensitive, the, the no, top, top of line rod. It's ridiculous. Like the rods that I break, it's like I need a, uh, like, like a, a rifle case for it or something. So yes. Like, just to get it in the boat. Cause from moving it from the truck to the, to the kayak is like dangerous. Yes. Like, a, a lot of things, doors are closing. Uh, things are falling and it, there's nothing worse than a day on the lake. Like when, like early morning when like you're, you know, $400, whatever, super sensitive glass tip, whatever, you know, cranky rod, like just the tip breaks, just the yeah. tip, just the, just the first island. Comes yep. out. That, that is the worst feeling. That's it. Like the, the, the day is screwed from that point. On. Like there is no, yes. like no matter what you catch, no matter what happens, like you're, you're you got to figure out how to convince your wife to allow you to buy another yes. $3 rod. Yes. And, and you know, she's going to sit there and she's, you already know she's like, I told you not to get that. I told you you're too tough on your equipment. I told you that was a waste of money. And so the idea is we found that balance of, um, of sensitivity and, um, and just being able to hold up, just being able to a durability, right. So that you can still, you're not going to make that first cast and hear a click, click, click. And you're like, Oh no. And you're, you're missing the little, the tip of that rod. And so, uh, and so we're extremely proud of the final product we came out with. Uh, you got two spinning rods, four bait casting reels. Uh, they're color coded and they're also numbered on the end caps, one through six. And the idea of that is, is to show you where they fit in that set uh, in relation to the other ones in terms of power. So the number doesn't stand for what power that rod is. It just stands for where it is related to the rest of the rods. So if you have one through six, you know that if you're using a heavier, uh, if you're using a heavier lure, or you're fishing some thick cover that you're really going to need to be pulling some fish up, you move up numbers until you find a rod that feels comfortable. And uh, the actions are a little bit different. There's a little bit more moderate and a little bit more fast on some of the rods. But for the most part, they were designed about being uh, around being more of a moderate action, yeah. which is what the industry is moving towards uh, over the last you know, 10 years with development and better line, uh, higher speed reels and stuff. You didn't, you don't need as much backbone as you once did, uh, you know, 10, 20 years ago. So, so that's been just a, a, a thing that has been an, a trend in the industry that we just kind of really um, took advantage of. I'm um, glad you guys did though. That was, uh, I started fishing a little bit last year cause I flipped my kayak right at the end of summer. And so I had a little bit of the, uh, the fall to fish with it and the, uh, the, the moderate, Action was like it kind of changed the way I fish, and it, it, I was actually a little bit more successful getting fish on because I was usually like like with a chatter bait, uh, and, th and even some of my like uh, some some of my, like, my square bills and stuff. Uh, I was using like a heavy you know a heavier action, and uh, you know the the uh, I'd hook them, I'd get them to the boat, but I'd lose them, I'd lose them really quick uh, because whatever reason like that that violent action or that violent uh, hook set just would tear their mouths open or, or whatever. So with a moderate it gave me like that buffer uh, to get a, I didn't have to force the hook set or, or, or whatever. I know it, it, it was just a better fight from the time that I hooked the fish, to the time I got in the boat. And I, that's when I realized that like, like I've been an idiot, like, like fishing some of those, uh, those heavier action rods. Yeah. I mean, even our power, our punching rod, the number six is uh, a more of a moderate action. And you would think I, that's, that's crazy. That's not how you punch. That's not how you flip. Well, the, the moderate, that whole parabolic bend, 
doesn't just happen immediately. It's the amount of pressure that's put on that thing that makes it bend that much. And so there's just, it's a lot more powerful rod. So it doesn't bend as easier, but you do absorb the more you're pulling, the more you absorb. Uh, Andy Morgan, one of the best uh, uh, flip uh, shallow water flipping guys, he talks about if you are, if you're tearing skin in that fish's mouth, when you look at that um, fish, you pull it up, if there's fish, if there's, if it's torn, you had too much, uh, you, your rod's, it's too heavy. It's too fast action because you're putting too much pressure. It should just penetrate it and then hold it. And as right. you put more pressure, your rod should just bend more. It shouldn't be yeah. ripping a cartilage out of that fish because that, that's going to allow that fish to get free. And right. so that's just, it's, it's been a trend that's been happening and you're going to see it. I mean, all the rod companies have been going more to that moderate action. Um, and then the other thing is, this is what we, we did this because we realized this is what the fishing industry needed. And this is also where the fin, fishing industry is going to go in the next three to five years. Every single rod company will be, will have some kind of set that they are saying, this is a set of rods. The reason everyone hasn't jumped on it immediately is because they've gone so far the other way that if they say there's a set, they're cutting <laughs> off their, they're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. everyone's yeah. like, wait, what? It's going so to be hard trying to sell a glass whatever cranking rod when <laughs> that you've been saying it's $300, but now we're going to give you a, uh, now you can do everything six, with six. six. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so you're going to see a, a, a slow switch over that or, and I look forward to seeing how they adapt, but this is the way the industry will go. There's already been now favorite fishing has come out with a set, their pro series, the Guggen squad has now created their own set of six rods. So you're going to see this, this movement to make, to simplify it's, it's easier. When I go ask, when I go look for rods and there's just 24 rods at just one price point from a company, I'm like, come on, dude. Yeah. I can't, I, that's, you can't be saying that that's what I need to go purchase. And so, so when we did this company, we wanted to make sure everything, we wanted to make it what we believe the consumer was looking for, what Nick and I were looking for is how we wanted to make it. All our rods are $100 each. So that's why we only sell direct on sticksfishing.com. So that's, uh, you know, it's just, when you have a hundred dollar bill, you can buy another rod. Like that's just, we wanted to make it extremely simple. But then when you buy the full set of six rods, it's $500. Right. So it comes out to like $83 a rod. There's no other rod in the market that can even come close to that price point of the quality that we give. We give a rod sleeve with everyone so you can protect your investment better, which I am, am upset that the rest of the rod industry doesn't do that already. That how you can spend $300 and it doesn't come with right. your, like you said, your gun case that, that protects this thing. <laughs> And, um, and then when you buy the full set of uh, six rods, we also have our 90 day um, buy them and try them program that if you try these rods out, if you get the full set, you have 90 days to do whatever you want with them. Go use them, have fun with them. And if you go do these, I don't want them. These are not for me. Send them back and we'll give you a hundred percent refund. And we are the only company in the industry offering anything like this. We're the only one standing behind our rods like this because at the end of the day, if you don't like these rods, if they're not helping you become a better fisherman, we don't want you to have that feeling that we've had so many times where we bought an expensive rod and we're like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I thought I needed this and I don't right. know how to, this rod does not work for the applications I needed to. And so we will gladly take the rods back and, and give you a refund. And so it's, it's, we've tried to tried to cover every angle that we can to make sure that we have a company that we stand behind and, and that people are, that's going to further the bass fishing world. Like we've always tried to do with any project that we've been involved with. Well, no, I mean, the biggest reason I like it, cause it's, it takes, like, the truth is what I've learned about, like, especially when I've really got into fishing. I mean, I've always fished, but, you know, over like the last few years, I got into like the, uh, the madness of fishing, you know, tournament fishing and, and things like, like things like that. And, uh, there's just so much bullshit in it. Like there's just so much just like, 
like just just trying to get extra. And it's so easy to get an extra dollar out of me because what the hell do I know? Like this this you know they they hire they hire a pro that says this, and I'm like that might as well be scripture. That's the that's the word. You know? Yes, like yes. This, and so and, but you know like you know once you really get into it and you and you start learning things and you're you're catching fish, you're like that's oh, kind of dumb. You know, or that dumb, but it just doesn't make sense of why I need all this and why there's these so many options and there's so many things. I mean, it's, I'm not saying like you like like if you know yourself and you know like exactly what kind of ride you can make that you want. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's ingenuity or whatever at its finest. And, and but still at the same time, it's like especially for like these newer anglers, it's just like the pressure that they get from the industry to like buy, consume, and and then like you know, I, I have like literally like over here on the side, I have. I'm just gonna say probably 50 rods, <laughs> and, then, and then right right here I have like your six, and then like two more, and these are the rods I'm, I'm gonna use next year. I don't even know what to do with the other ones. I'm like, do I sell them? Do I whatever? Keep them for a rainy day? But it's just like, I just bought so many rods that I find out that it was just it, they were, it was just bullshit. It was just a hype, and then it, it bit me in the ass. Yeah, and I mean they're all good rods, right? But you just yeah. it's it's too complicated. It was too. Exactly. And, and things needed to be simplified and no one was actually trying to do that in the, in the rod space. And so that's why Nick and I saw an opportunity and we needed it. We needed an answer to the questions that we were being asked. And so that's right. what we, that's what we did. And then because we, and this is also something that you might be interested in Josh, that on our website now, sticksfishing.com, we have a video section that yep, now right. has, um, we now have all these different categories that I'm taking videos from the past from uh you know from lucky tackle box days from the informative fisherman channel and we're putting them up there in categories that are going to be a little bit more relevant to to our customers so there's right now i just put up the spring videos and we're going to keep adding to that so there'll be just a whole tab of spring videos that people can go up and and see those videos there's uh, uh bank fishing videos uh bass basics there's just the the videos that we've done over the years are just like these are the standard you need to know these things and so there's a there's a good learning experience on our website and then we have in each individual rod uh, uh product page is videos for that specific rod so you can see the versatility that you can do so you can go hey i i own the finesse stick i want to i want to get more i want to get more into finesse fishing well we have a ton of finesse fishing videos i think there's probably at least 15 to 20 on each one of these rods and different techniques you can do with each one of those rods and we just keep adding to that so that we can have just a that customer that buys in with us can keep growing and keep whatever level he's at he can start uh growing from that level I right, mean, well, I don't want to. I hear the kids back there. I've already taken like an hour to have your time. Um, just uh, one last thing: like, what do you? Um, what's 2021 looking like for you? What do you have planned? Like, I'm not asking for big, deep, dark secrets. Just uh, what can people expect from you? Uh, the companies, the, all the different things that you that you're doing. I mean, uh, you, you guys hustle, so I'd love to hear what you guys got planned. You know what? I I kind of have my hands up in the air right now. I really have no idea what 2021 is going to look like. Just wait um, again. Yeah, I'm a guy that can that can kill time. When one gear, I'll be going 100 miles one way, and if that if that if it hit the end of that road, I'll just hang. I'll I'll be on standby for a minute, and um, and I uh, I go surfing all the time, and so I surf pretty much every single day, and and I, I can do that until the next gig, till whatever the next thing needs to happen, and so so I'll do that uh, for sure a lot this year, and then um, and then with sticks fishing, this has been just a fun project. This is it's. Nick and I came up with this idea. Um, you know, we really contributed a whole lot into this over just beers and having fun. And what came out was just something that we were just so proud of that it just keeps kind of progressing and opening up more doors and things. And, and 
uh, in the end, um, people are just happy with the product, which makes Nick and I happy. I mean, we do this, we, we do the structural videos and stuff in the beginning, you know, there is times when we need to make money, but in the beginning, we started rolling that camera just to help people out, just to share the passion we're doing. And that is still 99% of the reason we're able to do what we do is because we enjoy doing it. And so the sticks fishing thing, that'll just continue to keep growing. Cool, man. Uh, take some time, put in some plugs where people can follow you if you want to thank anyone. But this is just your moment to uh, let people know. Well, if you guys follow. ever have any questions at sixfishing.com, um, reach out to us on Instagram, any social media stuff. Um, I'm the one that answers that. So is Nick. So you're going to get directly to us. We'll give you answers. If you guys want to get on a call, we'll get on a call. We're more than happy to, uh, to talk fishing with anybody. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, I know people are watching this and they're always, you know, everyone is in so many different levels and whatever level of fishing you are too, you don't even actually know what level you're in, right? You, wherever you think you are, you're up higher, lower, wherever. So what's, what's really fun about bass fishing, we're all, and nobody really knows what's going on at the end, but it's just fun learning. And if you guys want some good people to watch for 2021, first is always Nick, the informative fisherman. Um, and he's, uh, you know, he's a guy that if you watch his live stuff, you can answer questions and he's going to go into in depth about any question you have, even if it's about tying a knot, he's going to have all these reasons that are going to make you believe in that knot like you've never believed in it. And so he's a great person to have candid and be asking these questions. Um, and so I encourage you to tune into his live stuff. Um, and then some other guys on the top level to watch um, are David Dudley. Um, David Dudley's one of the, the, the top bastards and he is He's won, uh, as of last year, he was the winningest person in FLW history, meaning he's won more money than any other bass fisherman. And, and he has a very simple way of bass fishing. He really always, when I ask him all these in-depth questions during the tournaments and stuff, he goes, hey, Bubba, Bubba, these fish have a, a brain the size of a pea. You're overthinking it. They weren't here. They were going to be here. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I, that's, I know that. But what, what did you really do? And he's a guy that, that really simplifies things. And he's got a channel. Uh, I think it's David Dudley Outdoors. Um, so that's a great channel to tune into. And then John Cox is another guy that um, he's a very big natural uh, with bass fishing. He fishes very, always finds shallow fish. So for us, it always, they're finding reasons why they're not shallow. They must be deep. I got to go deep. The fish are deep. You know, they're always shallow. And John Cox, always, always proves that these fish are always shallow. And so it'll help you stay motivated. And when you watch these guys now with all the live exposure there is, you can really watch these guys. And it's, and I learn the most when they are not catching fish, when they're catching them, it's, they're not giving away much secret. They're just, you're just going through motions when they're not catching them is when you find, when they start talking a little bit more and they go, Hey, normally if I right. find the sun on a, and, and they're, they're, they're just throwing golden nuggets. So if you guys got time, watch these guys live and, and you will learn a whole lot. Um, David Dudley, John Cox, you know, obviously, uh, you know, watch or listen to Dark Waters Kayak Fishing Podcast. Okay. That's, the, uh, you know, make sure you guys are still subscribed and, and listening to that. But, um, you know, bass fishing has just so much, so much knowledge out there. There's no real right answers. And so it's just a fun path to figure out, uh, you know, your way to enlightenment in, in the bass fishing world. So Josh, I, I just appreciate you having me on the show. I always enjoy talking bass fishing with people. As you see, I get excited, even though my my little bass cave is 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 shrinking fast here. Uh, you know, it's but it's I'm entering another part of my life, having more and more kids, and, uh, and that's a fun part of my life. Taking them fishing has been fun, but uh, but spending time with guys like you is always a highlight. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, have some fun. Enjoy the kids. Give give the room back to the little man, and uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you soon, man. I can't thank you enough. Uh, 
you know, it was fun. Well, Josh, and if you ever make it out here, man, you have uh, you have some places to stay, and you got a lot of fishing. We'll take you out and do it, man. Dude, I gotta make it to the West Coast, but uh, dude, have a good night. All right, appreciate it, brother.